Hi, I'm Ali Maldro, the host of A Public Affair on Tuesdays. You can listen to this show any day of the week, any hour of the day on the WORT smartphone app or on wortfm.org. If you love what you hear, click that donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication of our Good afternoon, Madison. You are listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Maldro. This is a public affair. And today is June 20th. It's Tuesday. And it doesn't feel like a Tuesday because I had yesterday off for Juneteenth. Happy Black Freedom, all all the black free people out there listening to WORT 89.9 FM. Today is June 20th, which means we are more than halfway through Pride Month. And at the beginning of June, the trans flag was raised for the very first time at the Madison Municipal Building. Today, our guest was there to mark the historic moment, Dina Nina Martinez. Ruth Ford is the relatively recently elected alder for District 15. She is Madison's first out trans alder. She is a stand-up comedian, the owner of Lady Laughs Comedy, an award-winning comedy school. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for for having me here today. Welcome to WORT 89.9 FM. Welcome to a public affair. Is this your first time on a public affair? You've, you've, no, it you've is hung not. You've out with us before. Yeah. Is it, this is your first time hanging out with me since you Indeed. were elected. Yes. How does it feel to be an elected official? How does it feel to represent Madison? Um, it feels amazing. Oh. <laughs> and terrible. <laughs> 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 but it feels amazing. You know, it's uh, when we spend so much time not seeing representation for ourselves, um, it's hard to believe that we can have that representation. And so being in this seat just feels rocking it's a powerful wow did i just like embody a 90s bra right then i i like it i like it (laughs) i'm here for the fact that it feels rocking i think it feels amazing to have you represent our community i think knowing you and to know how deeply connected you are to the issues that impact everyday people Mm -hmm. and at a time when the trans community is under constant attack at the national and local level to see our community rise to the occasion of electing you and getting behind you and supporting you as a leader um, is so incredibly meaningful. And I hope for many young people out there who are questioning whether or not uh, Wisconsin is a safe and welcoming space for them to be their authentic selves. I think you're a symbol of what is possible. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what it what it feels like um, to be the first? Um, I... <laughs> I don't know any different right now. So, you know what I mean? Like, I Mm -hmm. I guess it's still kind of sinking in. It's exciting, you know, like I've worked really hard and done a lot of work throughout the decades to to get me here. And I didn't expect to be in politics. You know, I've talked about it a lot, but uh, it just felt like a time that I had to do it in, in the most beautiful way. And to have had the support of you and the community and uh, people in my district, both cis, het, and, you know, queer, is uh, just something I don't take for granted. You Mm -hmm. know, like, I feel the responsibility of it in a great way. Not, you know, it's like, it's it's, it's heavy, but it's also like, yes. When you're the first, though, you know you know, you are you are in the history books. You yeah. are you are the person who will will your name will always be associated with your your community and what you did in office. Um, and is there additional pressure to represent what it means to be trans? Um, you know, in a, in a way that is effective in terms of who you are as a leader. Like I said, I don't think I know any different. You know, I'm just, I'm trying to show up as authentically myself as possible and do the work every day and hope that I make the right decisions and that, that I can help, you know, not only the LGBTQ plus community, but 
everyone. You know, like we're we're in this unique space of transition as a globe and definitely as a country, you know, and we have decisions to make. And those decisions are, do we care for people? How do we care for people? And how do we help people live a life in the most wealthy country in the, on the planet? How do we make sure that people aren't lost within that? And, and if we don't focus on people and we just focus on um, generating income, then we've already lost the race. Mm. We've already lost. All of us have lost. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. I'm your host, Ali Muldrow. And today we're talking with Dina Nina Martinez, Ruth Ford, who is in the studio with me. If you have questions about Dina's leadership, about what's happening tonight at the Common Council meeting, give us a call at 608-256-2001, press 9. Huge shout out to our team, our engineer, Ashley, who I saw outside. And then I had to like recognize her face because she's always masked in the studio so it was like took me a while to compute ashley super huge shout out to her she'll help you join the show our producer jade who is the absolute best and our news director shali Pittman. this show doesn't happen without those folks please give us a call at 608-256-2001 we're talking about what it means to have the first trans woman on our city council and, you know, the politics of 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 the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. at this moment. We saw on Thursday mm-hmm. uh, a tremendous uh, outpouring of resistance. To oh, that. you put that so nicely. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be as diplomatic <laughs> as I can be today. Um, but an outpouring of resistance to making uh, Dane County a, a sanctuary for, for trans folks, making Dane County a place that is welcoming and safe for all people, no matter what their gender identity, gender expression, including the jan- trans and non-binary community. What did it feel like for you um, as as the first trans woman representing in our community to see that that kind of resistance aimed at something that was meant to make our community safer and more welcoming for folks like yourself? Well, coming from an evangelical background, I understand that they are scared and feel like they're doing what they what is right. Hmm. Right? That is very compassionate. You want to call me diplomatic? Okay. No, it is. Yeah. And, and, and it is because I understand that. I was in that space. But if all you have are religious reasons for something to be wrong, then you don't have a case. Mm. Um, and they don't understand that. They think if you if they use the Bible to clobber people that it's completely righteous and just. But that is not the case because I feel like when we go into that religious place, you know, Jesus was here to love everybody and welcome everybody in. He didn't he didn't change people. He loved people into being part of the movement, right? And that's not what's happening. What is happening is fear-mongering and using misinformation that keeps getting propagated to attack a people group and that's what's happening Mm. and so sitting in that room my religious trauma was like triggered to the like ultimate you know and i i sat there and i heard people arguing against um protecting trans kids and saying uh talking about our genitals over and over again And when trans people came to the table, they're like, I just want to feel safe. I just want to feel taken care of. I just want access to health care. I just want my child to have access to health care. And let's be clear, the government period should not be making decisions about anyone's bodies. Oh, say that. When I am in a room with my doctor, the decision of my care is done between me and my doctor. Mm. Not a politician not a preacher, me and my doctor. And if you want to throw in your God, then that's where it is. Mm. 
in seeing that outpouring of of resistance, in seeing people, you know, really show up to spew misinformation about the trans community, to spew misinformation about trans people's bodies, um, did you get nervous about what tonight's going to look like in terms of tonight's Common Council meeting where you all are passing a resolution um, around Pride Month and you're also passing a resolution around sanctuary cities for the trans community at, on the Madison Common Council? Will you talk to us a little bit about how both of those resolutions came to be, what it looked like to work on those, and also what you anticipate tonight is going to be like? Mm. Well, the Pride Proclamation it was really spearheaded by Alderfield. Um, shout out to Alderfield. <clears throat> we yeah, love shout you. Out. Um, and it was, you know, like reading through it and hearing all those stories and knowing our history. It's just beautiful. And then the trans sanctuary thing was something I started like right when I started office. I was like, how do we do this? You know, and, and to watch this come to fruition so quickly um, with the help of the county board, like it would have been a lot harder and taken a lot longer without the county board um, doing the same. So I'm very pleased that, you know, I feel like it's going to be definitely easier. There's less opposition within Madison, you know, but it, it's still hard, you know, when you hear people um, saying things that are not truly based in reality or facts. Mm. I think, you know, there there is a a real harshness to this this <clears throat> conflict, I guess, or to to have your identity politicized, which is something I as a, a black queer woman have experienced throughout my life, um, is a, a dehumanizing experience. And you said it was encouraging to see how quickly this came together. I wanna say like this is hundreds of years in the making and it didn't happen until you were there to do it. Um, until there was a trans woman there leading saying, hey, what about my community? What about our safety? What about the fact that across the state of Wisconsin, people are making it harder than it already is to be a trans child? Are we going to do something about that here in Madison? And it wouldn't have happened without you, um, which makes me really Proud to be getting to have this interview with you and proud to have supported you and grateful for what it means to a lot of people to see you lead um, because this this it doesn't happen without you. It didn't happen last year. It didn't happen two years ago. Right. Like we, we need we need representation. We need people who are directly impacted. I You know, I'm going to say thank you for for saying that. I, I believe, though, that the work would have gotten done without me. Um the county board was already working on this measure and there's no one who's transgender mm. on the on the county board with Rick Rose and Dana Palaban and and everybody who worked hard on that. Um, so I would like to think that it would have happened in Madison um, without me, but I'm grateful that it was me. Mm. Do you think when you were running that the conversation around the trans community and the kind of support that that trans folks need here locally, that that conversation became uh, a broader and more inclusive conversation just by folks having you as an option for, to vote for and having to think about the issues that impact you uniquely. I mean, I hope so. You know, I I was talking to somebody about this and I feel like I had to come out every at every door I knocked, you know, not every door, but, you know, for the most part. You know, I was like, look, I'm also trans and I believe and it's important that we value the trans voice and we value trans uh, people's experiences and we protect those kids in our district who are who identify as trans or non-binary and are at the age to which they seek care and their parents are in that room, you know, with the doctor making those decisions with the doctor you know yeah thank you for for speaking to that and thank you for for talking about kind of coming out at every door because this is something i've heard you talk about publicly you've been really honest and open about your identity which you know shouldn't be a big deal um but it is it can be a yeah. real a real like safety threat mm -hmm. so you you have said over and over again that people don't read you as trans, people don't necessarily clock you as trans, that you can make your way through life kind of accepted as a middle-aged lady. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I didn't say middle-aged. Hold up. Ah. 
She had to come in with the middle age. <laughs> I'm also a middle age lady. I feel like we have to own and lean into that we are grown. We are grown women. I'm, I'm, you know, in my late 30s with three kids, I'm basically Beyonce, middle I'm aged. Dead. Um, <laughs> I'm dead. I'm sorry. As a bit, you you go around here, out here in these streets, passing as a, a lady. Maybe a possibly very young lady. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> and so why why was it important to you to, to make sure folks knew you were trans? Why was it important to you to disclose your identity at the vast majority of doors you you canvassed? It was important for me to say I'm a middle aged trans lady at every door because I'm just No, I you know it <laughs> I'm dying. This is so funny. Um it was important because for, I mean, everybody sees what's happening in our country. Everybody sees. And no matter how they acknowledge it, it's important to be open. And I have the great privilege of being able to move through the world pretty seamlessly. Um, and when I'm at the door and I'm like, and I'm trans, that person can never walk away from that door again without knowing somebody who is trans. Mm. You know? And I'm, look, we're a lot of things, but I'm compassionate. I'm kind. I try to do everything that I can to help people out. And when it comes down to it, people matter. All the people. All the people matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I I think, you know, were were there moments where being at when I did doors, it's right. actually just it is just intimidating, right? Especially doing doors for yourself. Like it's a different level of vulnerability and you're like, "Oh, what if I yeah. show up and this person hates me?" And the only time people got really mad at me at the door is when I was interrupting a sports ball event. Um, but you know, for the most part, people were, were really kind. Were there ever moments at the door where you were like, oh, I'm not going to say I'm trans at this house or, oh, this I'm 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 more nervous in this neighborhood than this neighborhood. What, what, what was it like to you for you to to be out there promoting yourself, not just as a trans person, but as a as a person running for office? Mm. It was really weird. Like I can talk in, in a room full of thousands of people and feel completely comfortable. But going to the door, talking to one individual at a time was a little more daunting and scary. You know, yeah, there were doors that somebody told me uh, at the beginning of the campaign, if you feel uncomfortable, no matter what it is, don't go to that door. And so I think I just had to live in my you know with my intuition and my gut and and do what I felt like I needed to do there were a couple of times where people weren't excited to see me they they did not want a politician at their door they definitely didn't want a, a trans lady at their door but like I said I walked away from that door knowing that they had met a trans person they could never say that they hadn't anymore and, you know, uh, my the district is pretty progressive. There were, I, I was scared, but like, I loved it. I actually really enjoyed talking to people at the doors and having conversations with them. And like one of my field directors would be like, Dina, you're spending too much time at that door. You're spending too much time. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, but I'm having conversations, you know? And, and I feel like that's, and, and no matter whether I won or lost, the the goal was to touch people, talk to them, and hopefully give them, you know, an insight and as to how I'm just a person. Yeah. I say that all the time on like so many interviews. Like I'm a human being. I'm shocked at how many times I have to say I am a person. You know, I, I think tapping into our shared humanity is something that we as a society have yet to do with much success. Yeah. Um, and I think your leadership gets us a little bit closer to it. If you want to join this conversation, the number is 608-256-2001 extension 9. You're listening to WORT 89.9 FM. My name is Ali Maldro and today we're talking to Dina Martinez Rutherford who is in the studio with me and was recently elected to 
district for, to serve as District 15's alter. So she's, you know, an elected official. She's a stand-up comedian. She's the owner of Lady Laughs. She is dope in every possible way. And she's representing you here in Madison. Join the conversation. Ask her your questions. Find out what she's going to do with her first term in office. The number is 608-256-2001. Press 9 and we will patch you through. You have received negative responses at the door. You've also received negative responses via social media, via email. You've had negative responses to you running that escalate to the point of being death threats. How have you been managing that? What does that look like? And is there a significant number of people who wish you harm because you had the audacity to run for office? You know, I I have gotten death threats, but significant, no. Um. How does it feel to be unsignificant, people who are out there threatening I mean, <laughs> Dina Nina? I'm fine with it. <laughs> Although I have resorted to reading uh, emails that are sent to me that are threatening on stage now. Oh, no. <laughs> so you heard it here, folks. If you want to get... <laughs> If you want to get sassy, you're going to have to bring that that energy to the comedy club. And I'm like, look, you can come after me, but do not come after my dog. I will. I'm not. <gasps> Did someone even come about after this. your yes. dog? Oh, my God. Yes. That is where I was like, no, ma'am. We going to have a conversation. No, they so, did yeah, not. They came after my dog. My dog it gets everything she wants. So. Uh, let's talk a little uh, bit about on. this dog, this like puppy protection program that we're going to have to set up. What kind of monsters are you? PPP. So people are so mad puppy that you. Program yes. yes. People are so mad that you're trans, that you're an elected official, that they are threatening to harm you. They're threatening your life. And they're going as far as th- threatening a beloved puppy. To, they, my dog doesn't, shouldn't be in a household that's so deranged. And I'm like. You don't understand how this girl gets everything she wants all the time. This beloved She owns me. Okay, this beloved puppy that you want to protect from her person, from her fam. Ouch, man. Yeah. Yeah. Are there moments where you're concerned about your safety? Are there moments where you're nervous to be walking around in spaces on your own? What is what does it look like to you to have to take responsibility for your own safety, um, given you know the the reality of being a public figure and the the reality of living in a community in which hatred of of the trans community is being promoted by our legislature. Yeah, um, I, you know I do I do have concern about my safety. <laughs> you know, like I've had to have interactions with the police that I never thought I would have. Um, and have had to do things I never expected, but I knew that, like I knew, like I said, I knew what I was getting into, but you know, when you don't think about when you, when you're able to move through the world pretty seamlessly and pretty easily, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh crap, here we go. It's. It's scary, you know. There, there are things that people said you should probably do this and this, and and I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I've taken a lot of measures to try to, you know, protect myself and redact uh, certain information. You know, that's not to say somebody can't find it. So, who knows? Oof. I I guess I. <laughs> I told you this earlier. I think I just have a death wish. But I really just want to... I I can't live in fear. Yeah. Everybody else is. So whatever happens, happens. I'm, you know, I'm in the hand of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think think it's like you have to have a life wish and and in some ways you have to live the life that you want and yeah. that that is courageous i think for most of us but i think for you in this climate there is a real threat of danger and there is a real need <clears throat> to reconcile how you navigate that and what that means for us as a community who elected you um that we understand that there is that extra expectation that it is just a given that people will 
have a really big problem with you and will express that problem in ways that are cruel and violent. Um, mm. And I think, you know, raising awareness around that also means being being able to collectively address something like mm -hmm. that because that's not the kind of community we want to be, not for you and not for anybody else. Not for anybody else. Are there things that you're really excited to work on, you know, in this first term on the Common Council? You know, I uh, this the trans things are low-hanging fruit for me. They're things that are that made it sound easier than it is. But there are things that I, I know I can work on right now. Uh, what I want to do is fix poverty and homelessness and uh, lower all the rents in all the city and and give people a hand up. But I'm shocked at the things I can't do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So I do know what you so mean. So what am I excited about? I'm excited about the work. I'm excited about the people that I get to engage with. And I will advocate for people experiencing homelessness, poverty, and uh, those who are on the brink of, of being evicted and, and financial collapse. So and my people. Yeah. I I appreciate that you are emphasizing housing because I think housing is such an immediate crisis in Madison and it's something that I think most people in Madison are feeling whether you know it's the the reality of what the market looks like to buy a home um or the the reality of what people are talking about in terms of rent skyrocketing. Um have you, you've been in Madison, you're not from Madison. Right. What does it look like for you to find housing in Madison? What's your journey been to, to you know, find, mm -hmm. find stable housing and, and be part of this community? Well, when I first moved here in 2011, 2012, um, I got an apartment right away. It was hella cute. It was in the neighborhood. It was right near a place I got a job and, and it was wonderful. And, and then I left for a little bit three months uh on some work stuff and then when i came back i've been i've just since then i've been living with people you mm -hmm. know and and i'm grateful that one of my friends has let me live there for so long and she's incredibly generous and kind and understands when i'm you know running behind on things and and i wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be able to get my own place yeah right now uh, that's just the fact and and when I look at you know I moved here from Los Angeles you know I was excited I could afford things you know um but our and it's and it's not just Madison it's nationally like housing is getting so extremely unaffordable and every human should have access to safe and stable housing. We are the richest country in the world. And yet those with the most money are only using it to make more money mm. and not impacting our, our country. That's a problem. Look, I'm not against, you get money, you have, you know, you're very comfortable, you're highly resourced, awesome, good for you. But also, part of our responsibility as a community is when we have, we share. Yeah. And when we have, we take care of those who have nothing. But if we are just hoarding money to the point of billions of dollars and not having that impact people then all we're doing is making things that only help rich people and resource people and that's a problem mm. i i agree with you completely and i think thinking about housing as a human right um, and thinking about you know what what the needs of of everyday people are i think it's I don't think people are used to seeing elected officials as ordinary people who have, you know, worked in the service industry, who have struggled to pay their bills, who really understand and have firsthand experience of what it means to be locked out of something like the housing market. 
when you were talking to constituents, when you were out, you know, kind of telling your story and talking about what you wanted to do, how did people respond to housing as a priority in Madison? What did you hear I mean, from, from folks in our community? Yeah, everybody wants safe and stable housing. They just want it to look a certain way and be a certain amount of density. But when it comes down to it, the fewer houses and and housing opportunities that we have for people in the city, the higher the rents and um, the higher the prices of houses are going to be. Yeah, but you think of something like housing as a not controversial issue, right? Like you think you, go, you, you would say think so. you say to people, "Hey, we want everybody to have a home. We don't want anybody to be forced to sleep on State Street when it's 13 degrees outside. We don't want that for people." But then when you try to build or or use a, a building for for a homeless population, folks say, I, of course, I want those people to have a place to stay. Of course, I want them to have a safe space to sleep at night, but I don't want it in my neighborhood. What are you doing to combat that as a member of, of city council? Um, what, are, what are you doing? Whose neighborhood um, is, is going to get the, the folks who, who need housing? Whose neighborhood is going to get low-income apartments? Who's, who's, how are you going to distribute um, where where the populations that our city doesn't necessarily consider desirable neighborhood neighbors go. Well, I think that we've seen when we put people of low income and silo them in spaces that and then say we're going to care for you and then just kind of hop out what that does to a community. It rips out the humanity out of them. It makes them resort to things that they have to do. I want them everywhere. Mm. Like I it doesn't make sense in a functional building community, connecting people to services, connecting people to a community, giving them ownership and and um, participation in their communities, if we just silo them in in districts, mm-hmm. thereby creating ghettos, for lack of better terms, that are inappropriate for most humans to live in, because mm-hmm. we've created that because we don't value the people that are in there. So if we put people all over the spectrum, every building should have housing of every type and price point, then people have an interaction, you know, interaction with each other. They get to know each other. The fear of each other kind of dissipates. Like that's what I want to see is a world where we all just live together in the same buildings, in the same houses. We go to the same coffee shops. We have interactions. We go to our uh, garden plots and we garden together we you know we uh, we take care of our neighbor's children when they need help and they take care of our children that is what I would love to see for this community. I appreciate that utopian perspective. I'm like, my inner cynic right now is just like, Madison is a community, it's one of the most segregated communities in the United States, has some of the most pronounced racism in the United States. It is a community made up of lakefront property. Um, You know, we have expressions of both extreme poverty and incredible wealth and resources in this community. And reconciling that, you know, from a policy standpoint, is a pretty complex issue. And so, uh, although I agree with you, I think more, you know, diversity in communities, in neighborhoods is the goal. I think how do we get there and what does it look like to combat people who on on a surface level agree with you, but at the same time want their neighborhood to stay their neighborhood? I mean, that's a huge thing to combat. And all I can do is is say, look, this is what I value and this is how I value it. And if we don't try to incorporate all people into spaces, then we we will never see it work. Do you think this is a value that you have in common with your other council members, Dina, 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 Nina? <laughs> yes, I would like to think so. Um, what has it been like to work with the rest of the council? I've had a great time. Like, Everybody's been wonderful and, you know. Is that why your meetings are so long? It's because you all are just like a fun little group. I mean, we haven't had a really long meeting yet. Okay. Last time, last meeting was really, was long, but it still was not long. It was so, long, but not <laughs> long. Okay. It was longer than the ones we had had previously. Uh, so currently this session, we haven't had really long uh, meetings. You know, 
a budget season's coming up, so that's going to definitely put put us in uh, longer sessions. But in tonight, maybe pretty long. But can you talk a little bit about how the council relates to the mayor and what it's like for you to work with the mayor? Our our mayor Satya is the first openly LGBTQ mayor in this city. You all are serving together. There's a significant LGBTQ caucus on the council. Yep. What does it mean to have so much kind of like rainbow energy working together? And how are y'all leveraging that to meet the needs of the LGBTQ community throughout Madison? Uh, well, I'm I am so happy to be a part of the rainbow energy that's happening. Like I I mean, I, I I've really had a great time working with especially the LGBTQ plus members of, of the council. But I really enjoy them like i i enjoy the people on the council you know do you We're have any there. favorites i mean i do but i'm not gonna say <laughs> that would be rude to say there's a lot of y'all there like, are, yeah 20. Is, it, is there is it does it take a little bit of time to get to know everybody to get to know where people stand to know where you agree and disagree yeah and i think all of us kind of know where some where people stand on certain things but you know i i I'm not going to hold that against them. <laughs> That's so dumb. I, might. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> you know, it's complicated because yeah. I think you represent yourself, right? And you represent the greater community that you're a part of. But you also represent these very small districts, these neighborhoods that have their own identities, <laughs> that have their own established kind of cultures, norms, way, yeah. ways of ways of working. Can you talk a little bit about what it means to represent your district, like how you've gotten to know the neighborhood. Who who is your district? When you when you describe District 15, what area of town are we talking about? So the east side, we're talking part of Sassy from Division um, East, um, Darbo Worthington. Woo woo, that's east my neighborhood. Mor- yes, East Moreland, uh, which is just up there, and then Lake Edge and Glendale. And everybody has different needs and and different perspectives in this district. It's a pretty big district and it's a pretty diverse district, you know, and I am doing my best to balance the needs of the communities um, in the decisions I make. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the nuts and bolts of uh, of a common council meeting? So for folks who maybe aren't as tapped into what your meetings look like or how you all decide what you're going to be talking about, what you're going to take on over the course of the year, what is the structure of, of the meeting and what does it look like for you to get something on the agenda? Um, so I've gotten one thing on the agenda myself. <laughs> And it was something that I was working on with council staff already. So that, I mean, it got expediated because of the county board. But um, our our meetings look like they give us an agenda um, that has everything on it on the weekend. We go through it and then uh, we get our uh, consent agenda that has the things that we are going to vote on collectively and pass. And then everything else that people want to have a conversation about. So, um, and then we sit there and talk about them and people ask questions about it and people in the gallery will talk about their opinions of it. And, and I will get emails prior to every meeting saying support this, don't support this. And, and my job is to clarify what that means, how that looks and how it can impact us. And that's not always so easy. I I would say it's a really challenging job. Yeah. I think I think being a, a public servant has has a great deal of difficulty because you're representing different people with different needs mm-hmm. and different ideas of what's right. Um, yeah. And you know it takes it takes <clears throat> tremendous integrity to to do that work with consistency yeah. um, and and really be thoughtful in doing it. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. My name is Ali Maldro, and today we're talking to Dina Nina Martinez, Ruther Ford, 
who is in the studio with me and is the first out trans alder in Madison. She is a stand-up comedian, the owner of Lady Laughs Comedy, an award-winning comedy school. You're also kind of branching out to do to do some work in supporting families of, of trans youth. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you're making yourself available to families who are trying to figure out how to support their their young people. Yeah. Um, so it's something I've kind of started over the last four years. But one of the things that I kept seeing is that loved ones of people who are going through gender identity, transition, exploring, trying to find out who they are, often have no resources for themselves other than just Googling everything online, right? And a lot of times we're not going to do that. So in the interest of um, harm mitigation towards their loved one who's transitioning, um, in the interest of, of making sure that they are finding ways to approach them in a respectful, loving way, um, they can ask me all those things that they don't want to ask or shouldn't ask their loved one. Um, so that their loved one who's in the middle of transition doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting. Yeah. And um, so essentially the way it works is I will meet with the family and we'll talk about their feelings and how they're experiencing their loved one's transition. And they can ask me all those questions that they don't want to ask their loved one or or shouldn't ask. And they can say, you know, inter- you know, say things that that might offend other people. And I will sit in there with them in a space of non-judgment and we'll talk about it. And and as their loved one goes through a transition, our our loved ones are going through a transition too. And they're still trying to figure it out. So I work with those family members to actually help the loved one transitioning. That's a really, I feel like that's a deeply compassionate kind of work and I'm wondering is that work fueled by your own story around how your family responded to you coming out as trans? Um, did your family model to you what you think families should do? Did they model to you things that you think families should know not to do? Mm-hmm. Um, how does how does your own story around transitioning inform what you're doing? Well, I moved halfway ac- across the country to transition so that I didn't have the influence of my family during that time, which was great. Uh, for me, it was a form of protection. And, and like I said, I have a lot of religious trauma. And my family members are still in uh, evangelicism. So I my transition was done completely separate from my family. So I didn't experience that as much. But I get it, I get it from people at, at a restaurant when I'm waiting tables. So do you have, you know, what's in your pants? And I'm like, why would you ask that? You know, can I touch your boobs? Things like that. You know, it's constant. Um, So in order to help people that have loved ones in their lives be a little more sensitive, that's kind of the approach that I'm I wanted to take in it. And it wasn't necessarily because I had the worst time of it. Like my mom doesn't understand it. She thinks I'm going to hell, but she loves me, you know. (laughs) And we mm-hmm. have really great conversations about so many things other than politics and religion, you know? Okay. And me being trans. So luckily, I, we're in a place that I'm comfortable with and she's comfortable with. I wish it were a little bit different, but it is what it is. And I'm grateful that I have a relationship with my mom. It's such an interesting thing, I think, as you get older, <laughs> the work of your parents accepting you and the work of you accepting them and where that meets um have you have you found like a space of acceptance for your mom as somebody who is really different than yourself as have you found a space to accept like her as an evangelical um who doesn't necessarily understand what who you are um as a trans person but is capable of loving you and what what does that look like for you uh yeah i i mean i am comfortable with that we we didn't have contact for a long time and then we had contact for a little bit and and it was hard but then i actually made an effort to go visit and spend more time with my mom um since my my father had passed away prior to transitioning anyway so um 
but I know my boundaries with my mom. Like, we can't talk about politics because I have a completely different perspective than she does. And I don't like to talk about spirituality because her viewpoints are contrary to a lot of the ways. But I'm also able to talk about things like compassion and love, you know, and and I try to when I find out like we have conversations, uh, we had conversations about a friend of mine who because she was black didn't get the care that she needed. And mom's like, that doesn't happen all the time. And I'm like, oh, my God. I love you, but it happens all the time. Yeah. You know, and for someone who's such a wonderful, nice person to hear those things is very weird. Mm. And so I hope that I can have some influence and be like, look, mom, you're, you know, you're, this is not accurate. These are the things that people experience every day. What did she say when you told her you had been elected to office? If you're two people who are on different ends of the political spectrum, what well, I, what, I, what did it mean? I when called her and little told Democrat her. got elected in, in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I, I told her, I was like, I'm running for office. And she goes, oh. And I said, even she goes, I didn't think we'd have a politician in our family. And I go, even worse, a liberal politician. <laughs> and she was like, well, just be nice. Oh, and then get it. Mom. I know. Totally. And she was like, are you having fun politicking? Mm-hmm. You know, so she asks about it. We, I, they're just, it's hard for me to cross the barrier of evangelicism and anything I say that is contrary to the way her people are telling her is hard for me to get through. So I just let it be what it is. What do you need from the community in Madison to feel supported as the first out trans elected official in this community, Dina Nina? What what is the kind of support you need from people if folks show up tonight to to support the resolutions that are going to pass? What do you hope that support looks like? Well, I I know that people are going to be there supporting and I'm very happy with the way that it's going to look, but as far as look, we it's lonely for us sometimes. It's hard for elected oh, officials. Thank you for naming that. Yeah, because we have to be a certain way with you in public, and we have to show up a certain way. But a lot of times we ha- we all have our own struggles that are hard for us to to get through, and and sometimes we're so busy working on politics and working on you know constituent services and nobody says how are you feeling with this how are you doing around this can I is there something I can do can you know so for me it just having people say hey I'm thinking about you uh, I think you're doing awesome or, or if you need help let me help you know those easy ways, you know, I couldn't have run for office without people bringing me food and helping me pay bills, you know, like, yeah. like, no, it's amazing the teams that form around mm-hmm. you when you run for office. I mean, you got people who are like doing your laundry and making yeah. sure you stay hydrated and, you know, it's, it's, you really need a, a family um, to, to help you do this work and you need people who care about you as a person and, yeah. and believe in what you're trying to do. You and I had the honor of attending the East High School drag show, um, which was a very controversial but incredible event. And it made me think, you know, there's all these young people who are who are organizing around the LGBTQ community in support of trans and, and gender nonconforming youth. Um, what do you what do you want to say to young people? What do you hope the, the next generation of, of activists hears from you as as the first as the first trans woman to be out and in office in Madison, Wisconsin? What's what's the legacy you're leaving for young people? I hope it's care for yourself, care for each other, and plug on doing the work. It sucks. It's hard. It's exhausting. But it's important and valuable and needed. Were there people who made you feel like a leader as a young person? Are there people, when you look back, who influenced you and are part of the reason why 
you knew you could do this. And part of the reason why you're going to be passing this resolution to make Madison a trans sanctuary tonight mm-hmm. during our common council meeting. Who are, who are the people who influenced you, who inspired you as a young person to do this kind of work? Yeah, so uh, I think I just kind of had it in me. There was growing up in Texas in the 70s, middle aged woman here. <laughs> um, I, I cared a lot about people and I didn't see the barriers as often. And I think that view has kind of carried with me. And I look at people like Ann Richards, you know, Celeste Martinez, who very few people know. She's a showgirl, but she shows up and does it. When we look at Alexander Billings, who is out doing the work all the time and having fun performing, being a leader in art arts and and just being so incredibly kind and eloquent and showing up the way she does is in- so inspiring. Um, and then I look back at people that I never knew until, you know, more recent history, like Sylvia Rivera, um, you know, uh, why am I blanking out right now? I understand. I was going to say Marsha P. Yes, Marsha P. Johnson. Yes. You know, and then... And then bell hooks. Like there's so many people that inspire the heck out of me. And it's all those moms, Mabley. Yes. Like a queer woman who was doing stand up comedy and pushing the envelope and showing up. It, th- those are the people that inspire me and that I hope inform my, the way I move through the world right now. Is there anything you want folks to know that's on the agenda tonight for a common council meeting or coming up in the next couple of common council meetings that you hope people are aware of that you want them to support support or that you want to talk to us about your vote? Mm. So we're going to be launching a campaign, um, for me to find a partner. Um, I'm just kidding. I, I am here for this. <laughs> I am here for this. We are not just a public affair on 89.9. We are also a variation of Tinder or Bumble or whatever. <laughs> Homies are out here single and ready to mingle. If you want to date an elected official, call 608-256-2001. Press 9. We will patch you through. Dina. Uh, mostly right now we've got we just the trans sanctuary city uh, proposal coming through um, and you know the work is never done and there are always things that that I want people to know like this is the second week in a row where somebody comes and says hey this is what I'm doing this is what's going on and I get to say yo I'm gonna be there y'all so if you want to come out tonight and support the common council as they pass a resolution for pride and a resolution to make Madison a sanctuary city for trans folks you will see me there thank you all for tuning in to WORT 89.9 FM and this is Madison and I'm Ali Muldrow and it's a public affair and huge shout out to our guest today Dina Nina, who is the first trans woman, openly trans woman, elected in Madison. Happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride.